Let's pray. Father, you are so much more amazing than we can ever fathom. More than I could ever express in my words. You are even more amazing. You are more incredible. You are more loving. You are more gracious than any one of us could be. You are more powerful, more strong. And yet you chose to make yourself of no reputation. And to come here and to wash our feet. And to commission us to live with this radical love. Through your spirit. And I'm just asking you right now, Father. I ask you, Father, that you would please fill this space. And take every heart captive in this place. Even if my words fall horribly short of what I'm trying to say, I just pray by the power of your spirit that you would take our hearts, that we would see just another glimpse of your greatness. And if I can push it, that we would see the fullness of your greatness and the many facets of your glory and the many gifts of your kingdom and that we would become those who walk every day, live every day in the kingdom of heaven, here on earth. I ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, Isaiah 64, it's a very cool scripture. It says, this is Isaiah praying, um, praying and prophesying. Isaiah was a very, very cool guy, rugged prophet in the Old Testament, lived thousands of years ago. And he would speak about things that were to come in the future. And, and that's what, called, what made him a prophet. He wasn't a soothsayer or a fortune teller. He was actually anointed by God to speak what would happen in the future. He prophesied that Jesus would come and redeem us, you and I, like hundreds of years before Jesus actually ever walked the planet Earth. Isaiah prophet prophesied this. He spoke this into being. And he had a cry. And I believe that for us as believers... I really believe that we should have the same cry as Isaiah. And the cry of Isaiah was, Oh God, that you would rend the heavens. Say it with me. Rend, rend the heavens. That would rend the heavens and come down. This is what he prayed. That the mountains may shake at your presence. You know? So for us here in North America, we live lives that are very, very comfortable and amazing. And we really are blessed as far as living lifestyle and living conditions are, are concerned in comparison to many other places in the world. We are, in fact, like a minority who live in luxury and have running water and electricity and stuff like that. There still are 700 million people who live on the garbage dumps of the world, and most of the world's population live below the poverty line. Uh, and so we live, in a, we live in a space where we are really privileged, but that privilege can also become to us an obstacle of, 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 um, of walking, I don't know how else to say it, but walking in the fullness of the Spirit because we lack a dependence on God. It's like we don't have a cry. Like we don't have a cry like this. Oh God, that you would come, rip open the heavens, calm down, that the earth would shake at your presence. This happened three times in Scripture actually. This happened. Jesus actually fulfilled this prayer that Isaiah prayed when he came out of the waters of baptism. He came, just like you and I, into baptism to be baptized by John, the baptizer, who was a guy 
with a wild guy's wild big beard dressed in camel's cloth, whatever that was. Loved wild honey and uh, and um, uh, grasshoppers. Sounds cooler. <laughs> so he would uh, take the grasshopper's head. I've done it. It's actually it's true. In African countries, they eat lots of grasshoppers, so they just dehydrate it. So what you do, because the back legs are very crunchy, okay? So you just take the, leg, the head, you, you, you just twist the head, and the whole intestine comes out with the head. It's, it's divine. Wait, wait. Wait, I'm just I'm trying to set the scene for John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist would eat wild honey, which means he would go into the combs, and he would, I don't know, we've also done that as children, uh, take the comb of the honey out, literally... The honey would be all over you. You can't get clean of that honey. And then um, the comb was this waxy substance, which we sometimes, because sometimes there was still larvae in there, we wouldn't take the pieces with the larvae. We'd just take the clean pieces, the wax, and we'd chew it and chew all this natural honey. It's, it's heaven. It's, it's amazing. But as a result of it, you are covered with honey. So just wait, okay? This has got nothing to do with my preach, but it's just so cool. John the Baptist was that guy. He was the guy with the beard, with the honey, the pieces of cross off her legs and his beard and he would say think differently guys the kingdom of heaven has now come to earth and everyone was like what are you speaking about in the midst of all that Jesus came into the scene and he said behold look here he is the lamb of God who's come to take away our sin which was this unbearable burden upon people because no matter how comfortable we live our lives, eventually, if you miss the point long enough, it becomes a burden on you you cannot bear. And in the middle of all that, Jesus steps in and was baptized. And when he came out of the water, the same thing happens. The heavens rend. That word rend is actually the word tear, but it's not just the word tear, it's a violent tear. The third time it happened, when Jesus died on the cross, it was actually, so many things happened at that particular moment, it was ridiculous. There was a full lunar eclipse. It's a lunar eclipse, and the moon's in front of the sun. It's a lunar eclipse. The moon came in front of the sun. When Jesus breathed his last breath, and spoke these words over it, said, Father, just forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Because we didn't really know what we were doing when we nailed them to the cross. The sun disappeared. It became dark. And the earth started to shake. Isaiah's prayer. And the heavens tore. And as a result of the heavens tearing, there was a veil in the temple that was one 14 inches thick. Woven fabric. 14 inches of woven fabric. I'm not talking in length. In thickness. And no man, no tank on this side or elephant on that side could tear that veil. That veil separated us from God. It was a veil. And only one could go. One priest could go in there. And he had to be perfect. To represent us. The whole bowl of blood. It's pretty gory in those days. Some of it's actually quite cool. And he walked in there. And he presented the blood of the sacrifice. On the seat. The mercy seat. Inside there was, a, was, was the Ark of the Covenant. It's actually real. It's not Indiana Jones doesn't make it up. It's actually real. And it represented the presence of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil tore from top to bottom. It was about 35 feet high, so higher than this. There was a massive curtain that had to be pulled by teams 
cross it was so heavy we could never see into the God's presence we could never come into the holiness of God he was from another world he desperately wanted to come into our world but we wouldn't have it and when Jesus died as I was praying rend the heavens and come down the veil was torn from the top to the bottom I think it's so cool from the top to the bottom because we had nothing to do with it God said enough I want to be with you. I'm not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> I'll sacrifice for you. I'll give myself for you. And instantly, can you imagine being a young Jewish boy standing in that, in that place and suddenly there's, a, there's the veil of store and you see straight, you see the Ark of the Covenant in front of you. All of those proper Jewish boys and girls would think, this is it, I'm dead. Because no one could see God and live. And nothing happened. Because Jesus revealed himself to be God in that very second. I love the fact, if you read it, that the earth shook. There was an earthquake. There was darkness. There was an earthquake. And people came out of the tombs and walked around Jerusalem. What does that even mean? Guys, we have a graveyard right here. The oldest grave is 1845. When Jesus died on that cross, there was a shaking. It actually says the rocks around Jerusalem split in two. It was completely supernatural. God introducing, not introducing, but making very plain, undeniably clear to us that there's another realm. And he's calling us into that realm. And he's removing every barrier between us and that realm. Why? Because he's in that realm. So he came from that realm, invaded this realm. How? By becoming like you and I, a human being. Jesus, we call him. The Christ. Lived here perfectly. Why? Because he only did what he saw his father do. Huge. Lived sinless, perfect life, and yet became the lamb, the sacrificial lamb for us, to remove the barrier between us and God so we can see clearly what God is like. And you say, what is God really like? God is exactly like Jesus. He's beautiful. He's kind. He's super unjudgmental. Totally unjudgmental. They caught a hooker in the act with another guy. They dragged her out into the street. They were ready to kill her. Because the law said, you cannot be in adultery like that. Okay? Jesus didn't negate the law. But he said, the, the one of you here, without sin, you throw the first stone. And I'll be right behind you in a sense. And no one could throw a stone or could throw a rock at this prostitute. They dropped their rocks, the Bible said, and they walked away. And Jesus walked to her, lifted her up, and said, I do not condemn you. Oh, my God. I want to be like that. Sorry. And then he said, now don't do the same thing again. I can't think of any better motivation than being busted, lifted up, forgiven. I don't want to go back there. Because I was forgiven. Not treated like I deserve to be treated. Because she deserved, according to the law, to be killed. And Jesus said, 
I don't condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and don't do it again. Don't sin again. And revealing this new world. Free of judgment. That motivates us to live for this world. Does that make sense to you? Free from judgment is the only motivation to live for Jesus. If there's any rule in your life still, you're still missing the point. The veil is torn. Look straight into the presence. You can come into the presence. John actually says, he made a way for us into his presence. We sing songs like that. A way into his presence. Anything else that separates you from from that reality and from that truth is a total lie. In fact, it's religious garbage. Anyway, I better start preaching. So, Jesus was baptized. And when he came out of the water, the heavens opened again. Third time, okay? So, one, I, I jumped to the last time, now the middle one. The middle one is when Jesus was baptized. And out of heaven came the voice of God. And God said, hey, this is my son, Jesus. And with him, I am well pleased. And the Bible, and the, Bible the story goes on to say, And the Holy Spirit descended on him, in the shape of a dove, so everybody could see what was going on. And it says, remained on him. Now, I don't know if the dove stayed on his shoulder for the rest of his life, I don't think so. But the presence came upon him and stayed. Please say stayed. It stayed. In the Old Covenant, the Bible is divided into two books, two big chapters. The old stories and the new stories. The Old Covenant, because God's all about covenant, and the new covenant. In the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come from heaven, as we say, or from the other realm, and would be on people to do stuff. Like Gideon. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he overthrew God's enemies, miraculously. Like Samson. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he tore the temple down, and destroyed the enemies of God. And Noah. The Spirit of God came on him, and he built a big ship, and there came a storm, and the earth flooded, and people survived that were in the storm, because the Spirit of God came on him, but after all these missions were fulfilled, the Spirit lifted. It came on for others. It came on us for others. In the New Testament, because of Jesus, God gives us the Spirit without boundaries, measures, without measure. We can't measure it. Immeasurable. And it stays on us, which means we are those who walk in that reality. Isn't that insane? Think of it. There's another realm. God made it open to us, invites us into it, and says, come into this realm as I come into you. And let's become one in covenant. And now, my spirit, I must go, Jesus said to his disciples when they're like super depressed. Why are you leaving? This is our glory days. You're healing all the sick people. Dead people are rising. It's, it's, it's good times. Stay. We can build a mega church. Jesus says, no, I must go. It's better for me to go. Because when I go, I will send the Spirit. My Spirit. And you will do much greater things than I will ever do. Exponentially as much. When you walk in this reality. It's incredible. So I believe that we are part of a generation that's stewarding the manifest presence of God. I do believe that. I hope that you believe that too. I really do. It doesn't matter how old you are. This is not a message for the millennialists. And I love the millennialists. This is a message for the church of God. From babies to old folks. You heard it this morning. Even when you're grey, God will look after you. Yeah? 
So this is for all of us. We are those to steward the manifestation. Oh, yeah. So there's violence. We become an, so. No. So I want to ask you this question. Do you think that there's anything that can separate us or any place that we go that can separate us from God? Please, it's not a trick question. Do you think there's anywhere we can go? Do you think there's any depth we can fall to that can separate us from the love of God? No. We know the Bible says it's impossible, right? Do you think there's any demon that can stop us from experiencing the love of God? There isn't, guys. Sorry, there isn't. Do you think there's any distance? Do you think there's any sin you committed that can separate you from that love of God? There is nothing that can stand against God. You cannot put God in line with a bunch of puny demons. Satan is not the opposite of God. The devil is a created being. If anything, he's like, he's like Michael's counterpart. The archangel Michael, who's an angel. So let's not paint that equation that there's something I can do that can separate me. So why do we sometimes experience like, like, a, like a brass heaven, like the heavens are closed? Why do we struggle sometimes to live in this realm, the realm of the Spirit of God? The closed heaven, I believe, is between our ears. Closed heaven is between our ears. Because in actuality, friends, right now, right here, between us and God, there's no space, there's no distance, there's no obstacle, there's nothing. The obstacle is here. It remains in our thinking. That's why John came, remember grasshoppers, honey, long black beard, saying, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. He came with a message saying, think differently. The old Aramaic word for that is the word repent, which means rethink. Think differently. You used to think this. There's a new way of thinking. Think differently. So where is the heaven closed? Here. And because of that, we become infatuated with darkness, with fear and intimidation. So we live our lives, please, this is amazing, in reaction to the darkness instead of in response to the voice of our Father. If you want to know that you are living in the Spirit of Jesus... You live in response to what God says to you. Not in reaction to fear or intimidation or infatuation or the lusts of your flesh. That's why you'll never overcome the desires of your flesh that you think separate you from God in the flesh. Never overcome them by trying harder or even by being more disciplined. Throw it in. Stop trying. Step into the other realm. The supernatural realm. I do believe these, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak you out right now, and it's okay. I do believe that people, there's 30,000 cars that drive past this road. This is not a judgmental question, but how many of you have ever sat on the front steps, or even stood here, and started praying for the cars that drive by here? Don't show me your hands, but well done, Jules. Because I do believe, there was a woman, I think it was Maria Witzwetheta. She, she was just a woman that nobody would recognize, but started to flow in the miraculous. Like People would come to her meetings, started very small, and get healed. If tumors would fall off their bodies. Cancer would dry up and die. People would be healed and set free. Demons that possessed people would flee and run away because of the presence of God. This freaks you out. Sorry, guys, this is what the new, the new place is like. If we don't like God now, chances are we're not going to like Him when we get there then. 
But I do believe that as, as, when she came, when she was in a city, warships returned. I'm just, I'm scrapping the, the, the story together. Warships returned and soldiers were standing on the submarine decks. You know, like the marines stand on the deck and they come into the harbors like this. There's actual video. You can go and look at it. God's generals. And one guy standing like this. And as they came into the harbor where she was having meetings, declaring that the kingdom of heaven has come into this place. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is not some freaky twilight zone. It's a place where God's love overwhelms us, where we walk in forgiveness and repentance, where people are healed, where dead are raised, ridiculous things, impossible things. And those soldiers are standing on the decks of those submarines. And one guy goes on his knees like this, for some reason. And on the other side of the submarine, a guy goes on his knee as well. There's hundreds of them standing on the decks. And one by one by one by one, they fall on their knees. No one ever told them to do that. When they arrived, the general was furious. Why did you stand on your knees? And the one guy said, the conviction of the love of God was so much on me, I could not stand. And I didn't want to fall off the boat. Because the submarine, it has no railings. So he knelt before the Lord. I believe that if people drive by here, not because of this cool building, this building is very mediocre, but because we are here, Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Adriana, do you believe that? Alice, do you believe that? Tommy, do you believe that? Sarah, do you believe that? People come knocking on the door. The incredible thing about Peter, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, so they were all together, Jesus died. He rose from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven and waved his disciples goodbye. He said, the job is yours. But I give you all my authority. It's given to you. I'm gone. I love you guys. Hasta la vista. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He sang it this morning. He's coming back. He's coming back through his church. And then one day we'll come when the heavens will tear again. And Jesus will step into this place. And we will rule and reign with him in a different kingdom. A kingdom where there's no racial divide. A kingdom where there's no nationality greater than the kingdom reality. A kingdom where there's no sick. Where there's no mourning. Where there's no sorrow. Where there's no deep seeded, hatred, generational curses over families. None of that. We will rule and reign with him. He's coming back. He's coming back. Why not dabble in that kingdom now? Not dabble. Why not choose that kingdom above all other kingdoms? Why not respond to that truth and reality? So this spirit has been given to us. So I want to speak a little bit about increase. Increase happens when you take what you have and you steward it well. I don't know what another word is. If you think of a, a better word, please shout it out. It's cool. If you, say you take, like, say you get like a potato. Okay, your father's a farmer, potato farmer, and he gives you a potato and he says, that's yours. What is he giving you? He's not giving you one potato really. He's giving you the potential for a thousand tons of potato and more. But what you then have is the responsibility to steward what he's given you. Make sense? The result of stewardship, friends, I promise you on my life, is increase. It's increase. Faithful with what you have produces increase. That's why Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, I will make you the ruler of much. These aren't just cool, wow, sentences. No, they have to be embraced, assimilated, and lived out. Same with the Spirit. If you, if you do not guard the Spirit, 
You will do one of two things. Paul speaks about it. You'll quench the Spirit or you'll grieve the Spirit. But increase comes through careful, intentional stewarding of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you shrink back, the Word says God does not delight in that. He still loves us, but we're missing the point. When we went to the Grand Canyon last year, how many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Cool. It's amazing, isn't it? There's that one place right at the point where you, where you walk across this narrow little bridge onto this, this pinnacle, peninsula thing that sticks out. There's no railings. Did you guys walk there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're on the north side. We're on the cool side. Most of the people go to the boring side. <laughs> anyway, this is one place, and we got to this canyon. It's utterly breathtaking. The Grand Canyon is, 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 is just a... I don't know. I just want to stand there and say, God, how incredible are you to, to create this for us to just look at? You're amazing. All those kind of beautiful things always provoke worship in me. Anyway, there's one place. Catherine comes to the side of the path, and she sits down, and she has this fear. <laughs> She's gripped by fear. Because there's no railing on this side or this side. And Levi is similar to Kath. Surprisingly, I can't believe it. Levi's like, Dad, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm I'm not going to do this, Dad. He walks back like this and he hands and forth. They climb onto the rock and Kath and Levi are sitting there. Levi's like trying to be cool, you know, because he can't be a guy. And Catherine is just fear grip. Julia jumps over the top. Dad, take a picture of me. <laughs> like that. I don't think it's the absence of fear. I think it's just the absence of consequential thinking. It's undeveloped. <laughs> it's still the undeveloped frontal, frontal cortex loping. But I, I want to just say this. I'm stealing this from uh, Billy Johnson. The two railings to walk safely into the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven here as we steward the Spirit, is do not grieve the Spirit and do not quench the Spirit. Okay? That's, those are the two railings. If you grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit, you're not properly administrating the Holy Spirit. I hope it's, a prop, it's like a, a cool metaphor. This is how it happens. Just like quench and grieve, there are two worlds in the Holy Spirit that we live in. Your private life in your public life. Okay. You know the story of young David. Young David, for those of you who don't know, was the greatest king of Israel. Now today in the church, in the New Testament church, we take Israel in the Old Testament as an example of what the church is in the New Testament. We can take some of those things and apply it to our lives. Not absolutely all of it, but lots of it. David was a young boy. He was shepherd boy. He was like 14, 15 years old. He was tough and ruddy, sunburned. The Bible says he had like red hair, I think. Yeah, red hair. I love red hair. I was so glad when Julia was born, she had like slightly red hair. I love red hair. Anyway, David was tough, young guy, but he was a shepherd. His father had a a, 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 a what of sheep? Flock. Flock, A flock of sheep. And he looked after the sheep. And David, David was just by himself in the fields. Like Phil said this morning, he would walk ahead to see where the greener pastures for the sheep. And when the wolf would come and the lion and the bear would come, David would take out his shepherd's staff and he would engage. In fact, the Bible says he killed a lion. Alright? And he killed a bear. 
I am more scared of a bear than a lion. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Because we grew up with lions. But a bear, he killed a bear. But this, that's not the significant thing. You know, it's like when you watch cartoons and the animals are talking and the guys all freaked out about the, what the animal's saying. The most freaky thing is that the animal's talking. Does that make sense to you? The most amazing thing about the fact that David, at a young age of 14, 15, 16, killed a lion and a bear, the most amazing thing it was in secret. No one knew, except the sheep benefit. He stepped in between the sheep and the enemy and took him on and killed him in secret. No one knew. Friends, I'm telling you, if you want to administer the Holy Spirit, this is not the space for you. <coughs> Primarily to find it. Okay? And I saw this as well somewhere else and I don't have a thing right now. Imagine two cups. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, for you and me, as God pours in His Spirit into us, there is, there is nothing that becomes relevant here in our togetherness. Please hear what I'm saying to you now. Slip out of the coma. Here, there's nothing that's relevant here until the cup is full to the top and starts to overflow. When that happens, something moves in the Spirit corporately. The filling up is the private. It's the private. David defeated a lion and a bear when no one was watching. And one day, his mom said, David, take some armies to your brothers there on the front line there. They're fighting the Philistines. Those bloody Philistines, they're uncircumcised. They're threatening us. Take them some lunch. So he took the lunch. He was the lunch carrier. She's like really the lowest skivvy of the, of the lot. Shepherd, lunch carrier. He arrived at the front line. This is so huge to me. The thing that offended him about Goliath was not the fact that the guy was there challenging the nation of Israel. The thing that offended him was that he was not in covenant with God. He said, you Philistine. He was like, you Philistine. <laughs> Goliath was like, what is it, nine foot tall? So his head would have touched that land. David was under five, five uh, under six foot. And the thing that offended him is the thing that, that gave him confidence. That confidence was gained in the secret place. To look at him and say, you don't have a covenant with God. You come to me with a spear and a shield and a lance. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of Israel. What? What I love about David are all these secret innuendos. He ran over. David didn't even have a, a knife to stab him or anything. And I don't believe in that kind of violence anyway. But he used his own sword. Goliath was lying there face down. His armor bearer booked it back to safety. And he drew that massive long sword out and ended everything with his own sword. Walking in the realm of the spirit means the victories are won in the private. So that the overflow becomes a reality in public. And you use the enemy's weapons against them. And as a result, they were victorious. Grieving the Spirit comes through your mouth. Because Jesus said, the word that I speak to you is Spirit and life. If you come into negative agreement, you grieve the Spirit. Because you give something a name in your life and thereby legitimizing it to grow in your life. I have this. 
my this, my that. Even if it takes you to your last breath, do not proclaim it over your life. Because the mouth declares the spirit. That's why when we sing, I feel the atmosphere change. That's why I've said it a thousand times and I probably will say it another thousand times. When you come in here, it over, you must instantly, if you are pumped to worship the Lord, that is amazing. Go with it. Run with it. But if you come in here from a hard week, you're exhausted, your children are driving you nuts, you haven't had breakfast, take your feelings captive and say, I'm now going to declare life and spirit from my lips. You're administering the Holy Spirit well. You're walking on the pathway with the Holy Spirit and you are administering it well. And as you steward that well, what, what, what will happen? Increase. Increase will happen. Grieving the Spirit comes out your mouth. Speaking rudely, arrogantly, judgmentally, grieves the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit is your character, which means how you live, the decisions you make, the choices you make. How you live. Paul's admonition here is don't grieve the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit. You grieve Him by your words and you quench Him by your actions. Or you steward Him and He increases in your life. And let's face it, without the Holy Spirit, we are up the creek without a paddle. The saddest thing is if people only meet you and see your beautiful eyes or your wonderful smile or your wonderful personality, or your great gifts, or your beautiful car, or whatever. That is so sad. That is so depressing. The greatest pressure that I feel that when people come to us and ask for prayer for healing and those kind of things, is that I actually cannot do it. The saddest thing is if they come here to encounter me, please, guys, please, let me just tell you right now, you will be brutally disappointed. But if we believe that we are the conduits of the Holy Spirit, No matter how we struggle, we're facilitating the flow of the Holy Spirit because we're not grieving Him, we're not quenching Him. We will see that kingdom manifest here. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Yes, let me cut to the shows, I'm going to finish. Just remember, stewardship brings increase. Okay? Stewardship brings increase. That veggie garden in the back corner didn't just appear, it, it was cultivated, planted. And it's now being watered. By the way, young guys, please carry all the water out there for us. We need to water them. It's very dry. Okay. So we can host the presence of God so that everything around us is impacted. Environments change. People are changed. When you say you want to see Milton change, I'm wrapping this up. I'm sorry I've been a bit long. What does it mean to you? It cannot just be paying for the guy's coffee behind you. It might start there, but there has to be an impact in your life. And because of that, there has to be an impact because of your life in the lives of others, those that are around you. True? True? True. Because we have the spirit of life to give to people. Not just our sexuality. Not just our good looks and our great personality. The spirit of God. As long as we're still there, we're just either grieving or quenching. Right. So the Holy Spirit is in you. Do you believe that? If it's not in you, you you are literally... If the Holy Spirit is not in you, you're like a starving guy at a good steakhouse. If you like steak or whatever. A good restaurant. You are at the place. You are at the point. To just say, yes, I desire that. Yes, I want that. I want the Holy Spirit. To open you up. Cover.
And so, lastly, I want to say this. There's a scripture that says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay? And lean not on your own understanding. Okay? In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Okay? So, if we lean on something, it means that we place our, our trust. It's holding us up. Right? Like if I sit on this chair, I don't need much faith. And I know the guys use this as an analogy. But if I sit on this chair... Um, it's holding me up and I rely on this chair subconsciously to hold me up. I lean on this chair. If we lean on our own understanding, we will never discover Jesus to actually be the Lord of our life. And I know that scholars are not all on the same page about this, but I want to tell you, if you've not come to a place in your life where you have to obey God without understanding why, He's never the Lord of your life. Never! He's not the Lord of your life done. He might be a cool figure in your life, but if you have to understand everything, and I'm not saying God's always tricking us and leading us in the dark, so we constantly have to prove that we trust Him. He's not like that. He's not a trickster. He's a good father. He loves us. But there will be times where He expects us not to lean on our own understanding. And trust Him, even if we don't understand. How does that happen? It happens automatically when you walk in the Spirit. So prepare for that. Be ready for that. And it's not just prophetic words for other people. I'm talking about areas in our very personal self. Lord, I don't understand this, but because I know your voice, because my sheep know my voice, I will obey. Delight to obey. You know what happens? Chiching, increase. Big time, increase. Increase of the Holy Spirit. That's a private battle. And God will be glorified. The words of Jesus is word and spirit. And I'm done. So I just want to sum it up. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Watch what you speak and watch how you live. Basically, that's the reality of it. If you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you right now to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the time for that. Number three, there's no way we can actually live this life without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Without the leading and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. True? True. We can't live in both kingdoms, unfortunately. We live in this world, but we're from another world. We are ambassadors of reconciliation, as the, as the Word of God says. And the scripture, lastly, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. It says, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, now as you go, not as you stay. Interesting, I love that. As you go. Lots of things change on your way when you're going. I'm not talking going to India or Romania or Mexico, I'm talking going every day, living this life intentionally on mission because you're led by the Spirit. As you go, preach. I'm not talking, you know what I mean, right? Live these lives, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Please live as if the kingdom is real. We are the church, we are the salt, we are the light. Live as if it's real. As soon as you live like this, nobody will ever doubt where you stand. Okay? Kingdom of Hands, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Because freely you've received, now freely give. Amen. Amen. We live in North America. The pervasive spirit is consumerism. The kingdom of heaven is exactly the opposite of that. Freely we've received. 
Now freely we give. Amen.